Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Compass Thoughts, the official podcast of Belmont Assembly of God. My name is Pastor Joey Silva, and I am thrilled to have our guest here today, Todd Lucas, director of Chi Alpha here in Chicago. Um, he is the czar, man. He is the, the dude uh, when it comes to ministry uh, from the Assemblies of God to our college campuses. Might I add, this is to secular college campuses. And so they are going to areas, uh, well, I'll let Todd kind of go deeper into that one. Todd and I have been friends for a long time now. Uh, one of the things I love is I can call on Todd, Todd can call on me, and it's an easy thing to say, yeah, let's do it. I think it helps that we're both minorities and we both feel like when we walk in the room, we're going to gravitate towards each other. Um, and so that's kind of always helped. But we're also both Chicago boys, and so that always runs more than anything else. So let me ask you a couple of questions just to get some people to know you. Uh, we are in March Madness. Obviously, it's a little bit different, but right. hey, the Illini are looking strong. I know you're a Southern Illini alumni? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a Saluki. So you're a Saluki. So it's always good when, when the home teams are doing well. But let me ask you this, NBA or college hoops, what's better? Man, NBA or college, you know, um, first off, this entire year of sports is the most weird <laughs> for me as a sports fan because sure. it's like I'm checking it out. You know, what am I really watching, right? Yeah. You know, it, with the NBA – you got players sitting out and they might be out a week, but they're in some protocol, yep. but they haven't tested positive or, you know, it's just so it's the team at full strength. And so the rest of the NBA, it's, it's such a, a handicap, um, you know, put that in air quotes, sit, you know, kind of set up when yeah. it comes to, and even the same for college ball, you have some teams that are, um, they go into a game where one team is like, 15 and six. The other team is like seven and four. It's, it's yeah. just like one team played 11 What's games. Another team has played like almost 30 games. And so anyway, I just say that that's been really strange. But um, I I think for me, it's got to be the NBA, man. Be the NBA. It has to be the NBA. I would say, you know, and not to go too far down this trail, but I think the one and done yep. has hurt both the NBA and the college. Um, I, think, I think we're a couple years away from no more college hoops. There's too many leagues that are coming up and, and corporate stuff. Yeah. Like the D League, the G yeah. League, and kids trying to get paid. 100%. And, and there's a good argument for these college you know, student, yeah. student athletes. Okay, now we got to be careful because Todd, Todd and I, we can jump into long conversations hey. on some of this. And then I know that hits home because that's, that's, that's college, it's university, yeah. that's where your world is. Yeah. So let me, let me sidestep that for a second. Uh, all right, I'm picking you up. I call you up. I'm at Starbucks. I go, yo, Todd, what do you want? What's your Starbucks order? Oh, man, depends on the time of the year. So if it's like this time of the year, it's nice out now, but yeah. usually in the winter, I'm like, give me a tall hot chocolate oh. with just just two pumps of mocha. I don't need to go too heavy on, on the um on the on the chocolate, the, the mocha sure. side. And so um, but if it's the like spring or whatever, I'm like, give me a a tall black tea lemonade with mm. four pumps. Sweetener, light ice. Oh, come light on. Ice. Now. Yeah. So I'm not a coffee drinker actually. Sure. So that's that's what I go. Those are my go-tos. Okay, I like that. Hey, I'll give you a secret menu item, guys. This is my go-to if, if you want a nice hot drink. Get a steamed apple juice Ooh. with a passion tea bag. And if they don't have passion tea bag, any other tea bag can do well. But the tea, the apple juice serves as the sweetener. And so hey. it is a phenomenal drink. It's off the menu, <laughs> but it'll make you feel like you're hardcore. Uh, last question. Um, 
and, and this is a, a deep dive conversation your wife and I had. Do oh you wash your chicken before you cook it? That is so funny. Now, I know you don't cook. <laughs> I know you let Chandra do a lot hey, of I that. I do a little something. I do okay, a little so something. growing up, do you cook, do you wash your meat before you cook it? My answer would be yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, so you know, I laughed at this with Chandra. Just to give you guys a backstory, Chandra, his wife, posted that as kind of a joke. Like, this is the same people who don't wash their meat before they cook it. And having gone through <laughs> training for health food services, I used to manage uh, a Starbucks, and we had to get certified with the health oh, department. Yeah. You are specifically told, do not wash, specifically poultry, uh, before oh. you cook it. The cooking process kills any kind of bacteria that might be in there. As long as it's cooked to the right temperature, whatever it could possibly have is gone. Ah. But when you wash it, that water spraying off of it and all those droplets, and we know droplets now after this year, get sprayed all over. So really what you're doing is spreading salmonella all over your kitchen. (laughs) And so Chandra's like, well, you don't clean your kitchen. I'm like, I don't want an extra step. <laughs> like, I don't want to clean the chicken and my kitchen. I'm just going to cook it. Okay, I so, see. So that's kind of the, the little inside that's joke funny. behind that. But your wife, she didn't relinquish. So uh, <laughs> I, I figured that's what it's like in the house. Like, Yeah, that's that's the friendliest Facebook fight in history right there. Oh, that's too. all love. That's why it was all love. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, let's just bring it in that those fights. And so sometimes some of the bigger fights that we start to see uh, end up being intergenerationally, right? One is not willing to relinquish the other. Even like now, like we, you sure. and I are both hoop fans and, and we're always going to be Jordan, you know, as the go. And then these young cats are always going to come up with, you know, LeBron. And I remember even the generation in between that was trying to argue Kobe. Yep. And yep. so you're always going to have these like, nah, man, you know, I'm the never going to relinquish the, the greatest. Title. Yeah, so it's always like, it's a generation thing. And some things are, are fun and lighthearted. And then other things tend not to be. And I think a lot of that is a misunderstanding of perspective when it comes to that. Now, you and I both work with the next generation, right? right. You work with college kids. I work with young adults and teenagers. And we've both done it for a long time to the point where we're, we're a good amount of, like, we could be parents to some of these kids coming up. Oh, my goodness. You so know, true. Strange to think. Yeah, I know. And so we're starting to really notice the differences. Here's why I know I got old. When some of the students that I was leading are getting made fun of now by the next generation. So millennials now are getting teased by Gen Z. Right. And I'm loving it because I'm here for it. Because I remember all the jokes millennials were trying to crack. And so I'm like, all right, let's go. This now is, they're this on the button. Now they're on the button. And so apparently now you don't side part your hair. You middle part it. You know, bag, tight jeans are out. Baggy jeans are in. Everyone looks like the 90s because everything comes back anyway. That's anyways. how everything gets recycled. I'm just waiting for the bomber jackets to come back hey. out. And so I wanted to talk to you about this idea with the next generation. And um, there's some things that are funny like that, but there are some things that are concerning, mm. specifically when it comes to the relationship that the church big church, you know, the, the entirety of that has with this generation. And I'm going to hone in a little bit with uh, Gen Z, but this can kind of go a little bit with millennials and Gen Z and maybe even the young kids, Alpha, that are coming up. Oh, man. And so I have a couple of questions that I wanted to get your thoughts on. And uh, the first one, uh, 
might, people may not know this, but when it comes to Gen Z, we are talking about the least religious generation we've seen. So Barna reports that the percentage of Gen Z who identify as atheists is double that of the prior generations. Nearly 35% identify as agnostic, atheists, or belonging to no religion, compared to 20% of boomers and 30% of uh, Gen X. So why do you think that is? What, what's causing this rift um, to lose our salt, as, as, so to speak? Well, I think that... First off, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, right? You look at the trajectory, it's not pointing in the church's favor. And if it's not pointing in the church's favor, we believe that it's not pointing in the favor of, of those that we're called to minister to and mm-hmm. to serve. And we talk about, you know, Gen Z. Um, I think that, I think it's been a long time coming. I think that the trend shows that. And mm-hmm. from, you know, we, I think we're seeing the fruit of, some root causes that goes back a few generations. And I think that you look back at whether you were a Gen Xer like myself and, and you started to see the disintegration of the office of leaders in the church. Mm. And what, what comes with that, we're talking financial scandal, sexual scandal, and, and just other things, political scandal. And when, that happens, we lose our salt. Yeah. You know, we lose our credibility. So I think that now this generation, and then you go to millennials and now Gen Z, um, the church is almost like a byword mm. now, you know? And, and so um, I think this generation sees the church as more of an irritant than, wow. than, yeah. a, um, than a force to be reckoned with. Um, if anything, we've been marginalized um, largely because of inside doing to a, a voting block or like a political, mm-hmm. um, you know, sect. And, and so that's, that's where then you look at scandals of today. We've had some heartbreaks yeah. recently of church leaders and so prominent church leaders. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, bro, like have, have you yourself, I, if I can even just like, yeah. just ask like, man, have you also noticed that, there's a wave, man, uh, like that's that's making it very difficult for the church to shine as bright, especially when it comes to reaching our our young mm-hmm. future leaders. Media, right? Yeah. What's what's put out there is not church friendly. I'm putting that in in, sure. in air quotes. Have you noticed that as well? Oh, absolutely. It's hard to to watch anything that's church friendly anymore, and and has been so diluted. And I think even to your point. Um, about how the church has lost its salt, especially in the eyes of those generations. I think it's true. I think we're looking, when, when you look at it from that perspective, the church is bland and ineffective. And when you add salt that has no saltiness, that's what you get out of your dish. It's bland and it's ineffective. And it's something that you don't want to partake in. Mm. And I think, you know, when it comes to some of the things that Gen Z values, it should line up with a lot of the values in the church, mm. but it hasn't, right? And so you think social justice. That right. should line up with the value of the sure, church. Sure, sure. But that's been politicized and pulled away, and now it doesn't in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You think about taking care of the needy, loving the poor, uh, you know, providing for widows, like all these things that should have been and historically have been key cornerstones of the church. You know, we've, we've replaced feeding the homeless for building the bigger building, and... Wow. Gen Z looks at that and goes, yeah, I'm not about that. Right. Uh, and it's kind of wild to, to think 
man, I think there are, you know, I've had this in the past. And I see this more with my daughter. Your following generation, the things you don't like in them are more a reflection of you than it is of them. Mm. Because sometimes, and I'm sure you feel that with your kids, you'll see something that they're doing <laughs> oh, and you'll realize, sure. that's me. Right. And it, yeah. it, it makes you mad. And then you stop for a second and you realize, but that was, that's me. It's, it's a mirror that you're looking at. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, for me, a lot of times I've heard, you know, working with teenagers, I've heard adults complain about this next generation. And in my mind, I go, but you raised them. Yeah. That's on you. Yep. Like these are your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even if you don't have children, these are our kids yeah. and we are raising them to be this way. And so, you know, I think uh, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but, you know, I think people dismiss how difficult it's been for Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Think about a lot of them were born during the, the recession of 2008. Mm-hmm. So you have that effect. You have the pandemic that just happened. Yeah. You have uh, wars in between. You have political upheaval. You have uh, very in-your-face race things. Uh, and so long before the pandemic, Gen Z, um, their mental health issues were pervasive. And there's a number of young adults reporting psychological distress in the prior month, and it increased 71% between 2008 and 2017, according to this study by Jean Twing, a leading researcher in what she calls iGen. Mm. Um, so here's the question I'm thinking. Are, there simply, are they simply more aware of their mental health or more willing to acknowledge it? Are they having a harder time processing their mental health? Or is it just a nuanced thing, a little bit of all of it? Wow, man, this is a great question. And it's not an easy one to answer. I think the easiest thing that I could say from just being on campus with college students for the last now, wow, 15 years man, and here in Chicago for over 10 years. And there's even been a change over that span of time. Yeah. And one thing I can say is that they are certainly more willing to acknowledge it mm-hmm. than in generations past, for sure. And, and it's, it's almost to the point it can seem like this. I'm not saying this is the case, but it's almost to the point where it can seem as though it's almost a badge of honor to yeah. say, man, my mental health, right? I'm having some mental health struggles. And uh-huh. it's, it's like the end crowd is almost maybe that's, that's a reversal intentionally because people, you know, coming up, mental health was a little taboo to talk about, sure. right? And it was almost like the out crowd, right? And so definitely more willing to acknowledge it. When it comes to man, why is this the case? Um, you know, I, I, that's, that's a tough one, right? You know, because I, I think that, you know, in society right now, it's, it's much more, um, I guess, acceptable to discuss those things than mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. in, in the past. And so are they struggling with it more compared to us? Or are they just talking about it more? That's something I've been, been thinking about more and more. I would say this, my suspicion, spiritually speaking, is that right now in, in the times that we live in, the moral compass has really, um, I don't know if I can say it's shrunk or if it's expanded, but I just say it's expanded mm-hmm. in a sense that it's like, almost like there's, there's no narrow there. Sure. There's, there's no objectivity. And when you don't have that, then there's no clarity. And if there's no clarity, then there's no courage. There's no, wow. there's no, there are no boundaries. And so I think that um, 
and and I hate to be that one that's like this generation they they're coming up they don't have they're any soft. they're soft you know I'm, I'm not trying to say that per se but I I do think that there's a lot of stimuli and things that are triggering mm. more than what they would have been not just when I was coming up I'm 40 yeah. I'm just talking maybe even 10 years ago wow. and it's I think it's moving at an accelerated pace from my experience bro I've had conversations recently like I can talk like a week ago and I can say this last semester you know it happened a week ago it's like constantly I'm having conversations with college students about this very issue uh, of mental health it's huge it's huge and I think you're right I think it's nuanced. There's degrees. You know, there is, you can't deny that there's got to be an uncertain number of people that do it for the attention that, you know, mm -hmm. they like to, I've always been annoyed about the person who likes to post, you know, the ambiguous, not having a good day. Don't ask me about it. It's like, don't tell me about it. Like, stop posting, you know. Now, if I don't ask you about it, if I don't like, or if I don't put a care emoji, yeah. you're going to be hurt. Exactly. And so there is, there has to be a certain number where we are, you know, we're, it's like when you were a kid and you and I were kids, that one kid who's, who stood off in the corner to look lonely so that somebody would come and talk to them and show them yeah. attention. Yeah. Now you're having a, on the bigger end, but at the same time, not to diminish them, but to acknowledge, you know, you know, that same idea of social media, right? Back in the day, let's say bullying, bullying's always existed. There's always been bullying. Right. But when you and I were kids, you'd go home and that was the end of it. Mm -hmm. Right? Now... No, I'll follow you. I'll destroy you. I'll have yeah. a campaign. I'll put yeah. a GoFundMe to mess yeah. with you. Like, yeah. I will do all these things to come at you. Mm. I'll DM you. I'll have other people to the point where, you know, it's really causing wow. mental strain. And even if it's not a direct attack, looking at some of these things, it, it causes mental fatigue mm -hmm. where you start to feel like things are hopeless and stuff's not going to work out. And so kind of along those lines... Um, you know, one of the questions I have here for you that uh, that I think kind of goes along with this is thinking about the fact that the iPhone came out in 2007, meaning Gen Z has never known a world without the iPhone, without social media, without games, without the world's information at their fingertips. So how do you feel that's affected their worldview and their perspective? Well, I think that they have so much more access to information mm. it's like night and day compared to generations past and so i think now i think this is a positive it gives them and has given them a much more global view i know for for me coming up and you'll probably say the same and our our view was very much so um american centric this was sure. this is where it it began this is where it ended in terms of um, the things that we had to consider, 9-11 changed all of that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And and so they, they've they come in, um, what, eight years after that, and this is the world that they live in. And so they have a more global view. I think that's definitely yep. the case with more access to more knowledge. Um, on the flip side of that, with everything at their fingertips and and the advent of social media, and you, I want to just get back to the point you mentioned about bullying you're right it ended once we crossed that 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 threshold mm -hmm. into our home i don't care where you're from if it was the projects or for suburbs once you got home it was you know sanctuary yeah right but now like it was a big deal if a bully followed you to your home because that's pretty risky yeah. <laughs> but like you follow me to my home now i can call my brothers to come out and yeah. get you you know what i mean but now like 
technically, digitally, they're following you inside your bedroom because now yeah. they're writing on your wall. They're they're DMing you. Like you said, they're doing GoFundMe's. Man, I never heard of that, but I that's that's crazy, right? And so I think for that reason, it's been even a greater struggle for for this generation. And so on the positive side, yes, a more global outlook and and just awareness. Um, but the other thing that comes with that is an inflated sense of wisdom because wow. you yeah. have all this access to this information. Come on, you if you're you're you can fact check something just like that. You're talking to somebody in a conversation. I just had a conversation the other day with somebody, and as I'm talking to them in the middle of it, I can see that they're fact checking something. Yeah. And so the more information we have access to, we can just think that this knowledge equals wisdom and understanding, but you can't substitute anything for lived experience. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And so um, that's something that I would say to our, our younger um, generation is, you know, you know, it wants to, the lived experience, especially in, in Christ, man, when that catches up to the knowledge, that's where your calling, your purpose really comes into place. Um, but I, I, I have seen that. I think that's been one of the effects and that's why it's a much more individualistic Sure. Um, you know, generation. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that happens to every generation. You know, mm. we had to teach our parents how to use the VCR yep. and, and how to take the time mm -hmm. off. And every generation feels like maybe they're smarter because technology is advanced, information is advanced, and even like you said, uh, the access to information is advanced. And I think you're right. I think because of that knowledge, we're puffed up. And we dismiss previous generations and what they have to say because we start to think, well, I know better. Right. Um, you know, you're ignorant. You're dumb. You, you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Like, these are the facts. I'm woke. You're slept. Like, mm -hmm. this is just how it is. Mm -hmm. And I think you need a huge dose of humility to understand maybe I don't know everything. Yeah. And maybe I should invite a different perspective, even if it's one I don't agree with, mm -hmm. just to empathize. And this goes for all generations, right? To be able to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that kind of lines up with the church. I think the church needs to be more open to empathizing with all generations, mm -hmm. with not just saying, hey, we need to worry about the next generation and ignore the previous one. But at the same time, hey, we're not just going to cater to this older generation because they tithe faithfully. And, right. and we got to make sure that sure. the bills are paid. Sure. Uh, you know, we're not going to be handcuffed by finances, mm. but we got to understand what's the mission. And God has called us to reach all people. Mm -hmm. And so kind of going along those lines, just a couple more questions in this, but what do you think are three of the top issues uh, that next gen wishes the church would speak out on more frequently? And in that same line, what are the top three issues you think the Gen Z wish we would stop speaking out so frequently? <laughs> That second one is, is is a little funny, but I think that our gener this generation, uh, the generation of Gen Z, um, one topic they want the church to talk more about is race. Yeah, what did um, MLK say? The most segregated day of the week is Sunday. Yeah, they say he said high noon. The most yeah. segregated hour is high noon on on, on Sunday, right? Yeah. Wow. And and that's that's really that's really heartbreaking, right? And um, but they want us to as a church to talk about that and speak to that and so i definitely put that up there and we've seen that recently i think the church is stepping into that more mm -hmm. now these aren't things that i'm like the church needs to do 
I think this is what Gen Z is feeling. Sure. This yeah, is a felt, these are some felt needs, right? Mm-hmm. So race, mental health, we've already touched on that. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that the church has been behind on for sure. Oh, yeah. For a long time. Shut up about it and just pray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's even, you, you've, and you even have different strands within the church where culture, mm. you know, certain cultures and, 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 and people groups, they might be more reticent to even touch on that because that's taboo and that's weak. And yeah, that's you know true. what I mean? And, and so I think that's definitely something where as a church, we're still playing catch up. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, um, is poverty. I think that they want the church to talk more about um, poverty even in a um, domestic sense, not just, hey, we want to send money to these, um, you know, to help build some wells for fresh living water. And that's great. Or drinking water, rather. Yeah, living water, praise the Lord. But, <laughs> but, but drinking water over, you know, in some other continent. But what about the poverty right here? Sure. And, and like, I'm speaking from an American perspective, yeah. obviously. So it's not diminishing that, but it's saying here and there. Both and. Yes, and I think that's what I think this generation wants to hear and see more of. What are some stuff that they wish the church would just stop talking about? This, that's a tough one because I can't think of a, of, a, of a lot that, you know, but the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is politics. Sure. Like, are, and, and, and maybe I'm, in, I'm, you know, it's kind of projecting maybe some of my irritations from yeah. things that I see. Like, come on, right? But, um, but I mean, like, I'm talking, like, there are some things that are nuanced and you can't separate. There's a political implication there. I'm talking hardcore, like, we are red or we are blue. Yeah. Um, I'm talking identifying as, like, this is what the church should do. You know, it's for interesting. It. The, the leader of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Coalition, said last week or a couple weeks ago in, an, in, a, in a meeting with the executives, and he touched on how they should be concerned if a neo-Nazi feels more comfortable in the SBC than an African-American. Yeah. And uh, one of the things he brought up that I mm. thought was, you know, kind of interesting is he's he's kind of he's looking at these lines and he goes we need to ask ourselves are we more southern or are we more baptist wow and i was like wow. that was fire wow uh, and he goes which one is part of our identity more mm. and, and i think the thing that i've noticed about gen z and most generations that come behind you and again i'll use our kids for an example they may not say much and they may not always listen to you when you're telling them something, but they watch you like a hawk. Yeah. And they're watching what you do. And I think part of the disillusion that Gen Z has is what Jesus said. How are they going to know we're our disciples? By how we love each other. That's right. By the fruit that we bear. And Gen Z is looking at the most public aspects of it, of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, well, that fruit looks rotten to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't see love in that. And so they generalize it, good, bad, or indifferent. They generalize it as to, well, that's what Christians look like. It would be as if, you know, in, in Jesus' day, only the only disciple anyone ever knew was Judas. Mm. But if, if everybody defined Jesus by Judas, no one would have followed. Right. Uh, and I think that's a minority, but it's a vocal minority. Mm-hmm. And I think it hurts our perception. Yeah. And so I think to counter that, we need to be more visible in our fruit. 
and we need it more more visible in our love and in how we demonstrate that. And so, you know, I'm not saying we have to do everything that the next generation wants because they want it, Mm -hmm. but I think they are reminding us of some areas that maybe we're slipping in. Yeah. And some things that we need to step up with. Mm -hmm. And even like, you know, you think about the most public political one when it comes to abortion. Obviously, you and I have the same perspective with that. But Gen Z brought up a great point. It's like you speak of abortion and you speak of pro-life, but you only mean pro-birth. Mm. Because you don't tend to care about the life afterward, mm-hmm. and so you don't want to adopt. Wow. You don't care about the death penalty, like. And they're bringing some stuff where it's like, yeah, how do you feel about that? Yeah. And so, what I love about this generation is, I know we've talked about a couple of things that may seem like, you know, we dog them a little bit. But what I love about this generation is they're not afraid to point things out. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sit there quietly and just silently walk away. They're going to walk away, but they're going to tell you why they're walking away. Right. And I think it's on us to listen. Yeah. And so I'll end up with this one last question. And again, I appreciate the time you're giving me, bro. Oh, this is great. But um, what can we as the church do and or do differently to better reach and connect the next generation? Listen. Listen. You just said it. But it, it's like the cross. You listen vertically first. Wow. And then we listen horizontally. We have to get before God. We need to be like the, you know, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's the sons of, not sons of Skiva. <laughs> I was like, sons, <laughs> sons of Korah? Um, no, it's um, Issachar. Okay, sons yeah. of Issachar. They knew the times. Mm. They had knowledge of the times and how to respond. I think it's going to be important for us to get before God. Say, God, prophetically, what are you speaking for your church, for your bride in this generation? And then we need to listen to um, listen to these others, um, listen to this generation because they have a perspective that is, is right now. And, and we have a perspective that is, you know, bigger picture as, as, the, sure. as the body. And I think if, if we're in tune with what the spirit is, is saying, then we can move accordingly and be able to listen and not try to overcorrect or even try to, when the, the generation calls us out to try to like react instead of respond. And I think wow. there's been a lot of that too. And so on a practical level, I think it, it really does come down to, and it's always complicated issues. I think oftentimes mm-hmm. are, there are simpler solutions. Yeah. And I think discipleship, I really do. I think just, just kind of, I think this pandemic has brought us to a place where we still need our big services and we're all about that. But the bread and butter is going to be like getting down and connecting boots on the ground always has, and always doing will. life always has and always will be. And so I think that's going to meet that need for, I think some of the mental health struggles has to do with absentee church yeah. and, and things. And so we're able to get with them and connect with them and, and, and look them in the eyes and hear and listen and share our hearts because trust is built through relationship, yeah, yeah. right? I think that's going to be a huge part of it. And I think the perception of the church changes when it becomes you, when you're the perception because of your discipleship. Exactly. I'm not going to listen to the Yahoo online because I'm right. thinking, but I know Todd. Yes, right. And that's what a real Christian yep. looks like. And, and that's, that's how we're going to, and that's how we're going to get our credibility back. Yeah, I love that. You yeah. know, I think about, and just to wrap this up, I was just thinking about when you were saying that my relationship with my pastor here and Pastor Carlos is, you know, close to 70. And so we're a couple generations away, mm. but he's always done a, a wonderful job of inviting 
um, me into the room and asking for opinions and saying things like, hey, what do you think? You know, I'm almost 70. I don't know. What do you think about this? Mm. And at the same time, it's helped me understand in the relationship. There's a lot of things that I think are going to be great, but he has a perspective from the years lived that are just different. And he helps yep. me see things that I'm not going to see for myself because yeah. some things never change. It's mm-hmm. just repackaged. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can grow, and this isn't just Gen Z, but this is, you know, Gen Z at some point is going to have to contend with the alpha generation after or the, oh, you know, man. coronials that are getting born now. And, and, and everyone's going to have that battle. And so I think if we can understand that diversity in the church includes multi-generational, and it includes not top down, but across the board. Mm. Like the only top down and, and down up, like you said, is our relationship to God. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is on a horizontal plane. Yeah. And so you're not better than me because you're older or younger. We are all on a journey towards Jesus. And if we can learn to disciple each other and to seek the wisdom and the insight of each generation and to understand that perspectives are different, but the goal is the same. Man, I think we'll accomplish what God called us to do. 100%. I love it. Todd, you're always one of my favorite guys to talk to on or off the mic. And so thank you again for being here. Uh, We want to pray for you and your ministry and and that God would bless your efforts. Before we wrap this up, can you just real quick in just a minute or two, gives us a synopsis of what your mission is when it comes to Chi Alpha and how people can help out? Yeah, our mission in Chi Alpha is to really... um, you know, make disciples of college students who will go and make disciples. And so simply put, make disciple makers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our, 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 our vision is to impact the university. And then through that, we impact the marketplace and we impact the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, we're here in Chicago. If there's anybody listening and you're on one of the campuses of Northwestern, Loyola, UIC, Columbia, We want to connect with you because we have a a firm conviction that when you go to college, your discipleship journey doesn't stop. Even if you're coming out of youth group, it grows to that next level. And God sends you to college campuses like God might send somebody to Mozambique to be on mission. Yeah. And so that's why we're there to empower college students to be on mission, to find the lost sheep of God to feed the lost sheep of God and to fight for the lost sheep. Come on, that'll preach. I love it. (laughs) Thank you, Todd. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And tune in next week as we explore some more Compass Thoughts here at Belmont Assembly. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you then. Awesome. Bro, that's dope, man.